you are listening to Single Serves. My name is Arno Marturet and I am your host. Single Serves is a podcast dealing with design, architecture, business, and city building in which I interview an expert on a specific subject matter. Together, we dive into that topic and challenge conventional thinking in a thought-provoking conversation. For our inaugural season, we have some great guests lined up and you can expect to hear about such topics like social media for architects, organizational culture, criticism in media, and architects not practicing architecture, among many others. I sincerely hope that you will find these conversations as engaging as I did and learn a thing or two in the process. Don't forget to send us your comments, criticism, and praise. To do so, you can email us at hello at rvltr.studio or leave a comment online. You can also subscribe to the podcast on our website at rvltr.studio and follow us on social media under the handle at revelator underscore T-O. It's R-E-V-E-L-A-T-E-U-R underscore T-O. So today I have the pleasure to have Brian McCartney with me on the podcast. Uh, Brian is the chief idea guy at Arcmark, uh, architect branding and marketing in Ohio. Brian has had a lifelong love of architecture and design. And for the past several years, the Arcmark team have focused on helping clients in the architecture, engineering and construction industries. In fact, the Arcmark team has set a goal, very ambitious, might I add, to bring value to 100,000 architects by 2030 by helping firms improve how they use branding, marketing, website design, and lead generation to build productive and profitable relationships with prospects, partners, and promoters. So thanks, Brian, for being on the show. It's a real pleasure to have you uh, today. Thank you, Arno. I really appreciate you uh, having me on. It's good to see you. Likewise. So let's start with a really hard question. Can you tell us who you are and what you do in three sentences or less? Yeah, I'll give that a crack. So what I do, what my team and I do is to uh, help architects uh, increase their visibility, to uh, to help them, I guess, uh, increase their, uh, to also grow their influence and uh, be seen more as the uh, experts they are to help them showcase their expertise, uh, experience and talent. And then finally to help them uh, attract uh, ideal clients and win better projects. So I think that's one sentence, but I'll go with that. We can fix it in post, at least. Fix it in post, yeah. We can Photoshop it audioly, right? <laughs> so you're known for, one of the things you're known for is for having studied untold amounts amounts of architecture websites, I think in more than 550. Yeah. Um, I personally studied about 50 and then gave up. Um, so what did you learn from looking at so many architecture firm websites? Yeah, there was, uh, so we did a study, we, we, we had a, uh, pretty good list of uh, firm websites from uh, online sources and also from uh, we were previously uh, in Florida. So we uh, we looked at a lot of Florida firms in that list, but we also looked at uh, the top 50 uh, according to I think it was Architect Magazine or something like that. And what we were really trying to figure out uh, and better understand is, you know, what what were architects, how were architects using their websites? Um, and then what were some of the things that they were doing right and some of the things that they were doing wrong? Um, from, uh, you know, our, our 
I guess our grading system is we used off the shelf uh, uh, tools that anybody can find online to kind of understand if your website is working or not. Um, so those two tools typically look at some uh, some basic factors like whether or not your website is set up properly uh, for SEO, uh, whether or not uh, it's uh, properly secured, um, uh, how fast your, your page is loading, which used to be a really important thing. I don't know if it's as important these days, but, um, and then uh, uh, also whether whether or not your website or your web page is set up for, properly for mobile uh, viewing. And uh, just based on those factors, we found that like, I think it was like based on our criteria and our scoring system, we basically had a simple scoring system. If you if you had a, if you had a uh, based on these tools, like we used at the time we were using HubSpot's uh, grader.com a website to test these uh, websites. And so we, we said if you had a zero in any one of those four categories, you, you failed. And if you had a score that was, uh, I think it was 75 or lower, that was considered a failure as well. And so we found that 75% of the websites that we looked at uh, actually uh, did have a failure uh, of some level. And then um, uh, one of the biggest areas that uh, websites, architecture firm websites, uh, were kind of failing was the SEO part, the uh, search engine optimization, um, and and that really revolves around how your website is set up to, uh, uh, I guess, help uh, search engines understand what your site is about, so that it, they can better uh, categorize you and rank you in search engine uh, results. Mm -hmm. um so you've just alluded to seo is that the most common mistake that uh, architecture firms uh, make i think it's one of the bigger mistakes um we hear from architects all the time is seo one of the biggest problems i i would say it is a big problem because um you know uh, we hear from architects all the time they're like well i don't know if my website's working i don't know if you know if people are finding us online and so, you know, uh, let's say, let's say like this, you know, uh, setting up your website is one factor that influences SEO. If it's, if your website is set up properly, that's one factor that'll influence SEO. Another big factor is the content that you have on your website. So, um, you know, whether or not you have a blog, whether or not you're actually publishing relevant information, information that your, uh, ideal clients might search for, that's also going to help you in terms of. Uh, getting found online, uh, uh, links from other websites to your site is also going to be helpful. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's the biggest mistake, but it's certainly one of them. I would say that one of the bigger mistakes that we kind of noticed that was actually, I don't know, it's just, and you know, I haven't done a survey like this of any other industry where I've gone and I've just kind of drilled down, but we were really surprised. Uh, you know, I, I think... I think architects really prize themselves on their the, their design sense, and, and and I think a lot of times you you see you see those attempts online. What 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 we really found kind of uh, strange, or maybe it's not strange. I don't know. What, I don't know how to describe it the best way. But what we found is that uh, a lot of the websites really failed to kind of clearly communicate that hey, we're architects. Uh, hey, we're uh, we provide. Uh, these kind of services. And uh, so we found that a lot of websites suffered from what I would call, uh, you know, uh, a kind of a confusing or frustrating uh, usability. 
Um, I used to do a lot of usability testing. I used to work uh, for big agencies and we, we would do usability testing whenever we would launch a new website. And um, I, I did a big uh, I, I did a big program for General Motors back in the day. And, you know, we just we just sit people down. We ask them simple questions about a website and they would tell us, oh, you know, this is frustrating. That's frustrating. And when you start looking at a lot of architecture firm websites, you, you kind of see these patterns of like using unclear language to describe different areas of their website or, um, uh, you know, kind of using some, I don't know, uh, design uh, methods that, uh, you know, kind of make it difficult to understand how the navigation might work or mm-hmm. how, to, how to move through the website. And so I, I saw that that was kind of one of the things that surprised me a little bit was this kind of, you know, I, I think, you know, th- there's a there's a I, th- I think one of the things that kind of stuck out to me is that it, it didn't seem like a lot of these sites were being designed for uh, their actual potential clients. A lot of them, it seemed like they were trying to impress other designers. And that, that was uh that was kind of one of the bigger uh, things that stuck out to me is, is, is you know, you got to you got to de- design your website for the people who are going to use it, not the people who might might check it out. You know, yeah. And, and I mean, there's many parallels you can draw. But when when you do when I do media campaigns for clients and they um, ask, I ask them what which publications they want to be in. The first uh, first um, instinct is to say, oh, I want to be published in this architecture magazine or that architecture magazine or yeah. interior design. And I and I often have to remind them like, hey, this is great, and if you get published in there, it's great for your your reputation and and how your peers perceive you. But your actual clients are never going to read those because those are all read by architects. Yeah, so I think that we see a lot of that with websites. Uh, I do want to go back to SEO for a second. Yeah, sure. Because it's something that I've specifically started looking into to try and understand it better. It's still to me, and my understanding of it is very surface level at this point. Um, seems to me that it's still a very complex, obfuscating wor- world uh, that takes a lot of time to master. Um, is that true? And can you debunk that or, or maybe reassure listeners um, to to say that SEO, when done right, doesn't have to be very complicated? I don't know. You're the expert, but um, maybe shed a little bit of light on that. So um, I, I believe that SEO is probably one of the uh, most effective, most sustainable uh, long-term, long-term beneficial uh, ways to improve your website. I guess uh, you know we we hear a lot in architecture world about uh, social media and you know oh we got to be on Instagram and now I now I, I'm in a mastermind group with a bunch of architects and there's some people in there who are you know I, they're actually doing some pretty cool stuff on TikTok which you know you would think. Huh, TikTok. You know, I, I wouldn't normally associate that with architects, but it's a it's a visual platform, and uh, they found uh, some unique ways to be to utilize it. Um, but I, I strongly believe that SEO uh, is and will be for a long time probably one of the best ways to uh, uh, generate or or attract uh, traffic to your website. So, is it difficult? Well, there's some things you need to understand about SEO. Um, Number one, uh, there's kind of three layers. So there's the what I would call the technical backend layer. So so when you create a website, uh, a web page, 
what you want to do is you want to make sure it has uh, a proper uh, title, you want to make sure that the URL is descriptive, you want to make sure that uh, there's a proper, uh, what, what we would call a meta description. And these are things that, that kind of reside in the background. They're things that you put into the code or, or when you set the page up. And, and, and these things, uh, these three things in particular, and, and there's others like uh, tagging images and, and so forth, but these things in particular help the uh, uh, the search engine, basically what search engines do is they have these programs that go and scour the internet and they will look at your website and they, they try to understand it. So is this website about a specific topic? What are some of the subtopics it's covering? And it's basically in, it, you know, they call it indexing. So it's trying to learn what your site is about. And when these descriptions, the titles, the URLs, the image tags, and even the structure of content on the page, like using uh, what we call headers, H1, H2, H3, and so on, these, these H headers, these, um, uh, these are how we uh, identify the different structures, the, uh, the hierarchical structure of content on a web page. The better these things are set up, the better the the web or the uh, uh, the search engine is going to be able to understand, catalog, and index your web page, right? So if you're doing this properly across your site, each page should have a unique focus, and you shouldn't you shouldn't have too much what we call cannibalism, like you know, like if you have multiple pages that are about the same exact topic or focusing on. You know, we usually identify each page as having a specific keyword focus. If you have too many pages that are kind of overlapping in their focus, this can, this can also can kind of create dilution, uh, and the, it it'll, you know, it'll kind of the the search engines. I don't know if it's that they get confused about it. They don't like to see that. So this is one part, getting that technical stuff right. The the other part is what we call the on-page stuff, like the uh, and and this is more where the headers come in the actual content that you're writing, um, the the biggest opportunity I see for most architects is in creating a blog. And when I say a blog, I don't mean a news page, right? There's, there's basically, there's different types of content that you can talk about. What most architects talk about are what I would call news items. So these are things like, oh, we, uh, we won an award we started a new project, we have a project update, we completed a project, we hired somebody, uh, we got featured in a publication. Uh, these, kind of, uh, these kind of news items are certainly relevant to you, to your clients, they might be relevant to somebody interested in working for you, but the, that, that type of information isn't gonna be as interesting to a client who is looking to try to find out whether or not you can solve their problems. So what is interesting for them? There's three categories that we find that are helpful for generating traffic, for getting people to come to your website. Number one is uh, what we refer to as FAQ answers. So if you think about it, you know, uh, uh, when somebody is starting or thinking about a project, they're gonna go online, they're gonna start searching for information and they're gonna have specific questions. These are typically the questions that they're gonna ask you when they meet you anyway, you know, or, or even before they even know that they need an architect. like. Questions can include things like, do I need an architect or do I need a builder? Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, is it worth hiring an architect, right? That might be a good FAQ style question. The second category is what I call insider insights. 
So insider insights are really great for positioning you and your firm as an advocate for your future clients. So, so look at it like this, like um, there are things in your, in the building and design industry that are, it's just, you know, there are things that are unfair to clients, right? If you're talking about this kind of stuff in a very uh, kind of candid, almost uh, like, uh, this is really unfair for our clients, you know, and showcasing that you're, you're number one, you're telling them, hey, these are some things that you need to be aware of this. And, and you're also showing them that you're willing to pull back the curtain and kind of talk about your industry in an honest way. That helps them see you as an advocate, as somebody who's going to be on their side. So these insider insights kind of serve as that kind of uh, helpful uh, content. And then the third category is what we call the pain points. So these are the things that might go wrong on a project, uh, cause delays, cause budget overruns, things like that. And these are the things that your, your ideal future clients are going to want to avoid. If you can talk about this kind of content on your website um, and do it in a kind of an, you know, in a way that is going to help you bring in SEO traffic, because these are the questions that people are searching, you know, right now here in the US, and I'm sure it's a worldwide thing, actually, um, lumber prices are skyrocketing, building material prices are skyrocketing, right? If you're an architect and you're talking about that and you're offering ideas about how to uh, maybe uh, uh, creatively get around, uh, you know, maybe using alternative materials or uh, looking for different ways to uh, structure or phase projects in order to deal with these kind of issues. Uh, that's, you know, when people go online and they're searching and they start to see, oh, wow, material prices are crazy. How do I get around that? They start looking for answers. If you have those answers, guess what? They're going to see you as the expert. They're going to see you as somebody who can help them solve this problem. And uh, that's going to bring them to your website. So, uh, I see the the content as one of the biggest opportunities. The third area for SEO is the links on other sites that point back to you. And that's that's more about building your network, uh, building relationships, maybe offering content to other uh, other groups or other influencers, other partners uh, that uh, they can put on their website to kind of show that they have these relationships too. And that points back to, that, to your website. Um, a great example of this is like, uh, for instance, uh, let's say you're a, commercial, uh, built, you're a commercial architect, you work with a lot of real estate developers. Uh, there might be a, an association of developers in, the, in your area or where you, you, in the markets that you work. So maybe you go to them and you can say, hey, I would love to offer you some uh, free content to put on your, uh, your association's blog or in your newsletter. Um, these kind of uh, organizations are always looking for great high quality content and uh, they publish that out to their newsletter, uh, you, you, you're, you're basically getting the value of those uh, backlinks coming to you. People, more people are coming to your website. The more people that are coming to your website, the more you rise in the, the uh, search engine rankings because that's what like, you know, the, the search engines wanna see that people are going to your website and, and checking it out. So, uh, you know, and is this hard to do? Well, yeah, I mean, it takes time. Uh, it takes effort, but uh, where we've gotten it to is is basically uh, for us, we have a very clear system of how we help architects create this content. So we do a little bit of pre-work. We, we try to brainstorm some ideas, get some uh, content ideas uh, uh, put into a schedule based around the projects that they have coming up and, and so forth. Um, and then uh, we try to we try to create content that is relevant to what is actually going on in their project pipeline. 
And then what we do is once we have those ideas uh, prepared, uh, then we, our team will generate uh, questions and then we do an interview just like what we're doing right now. We get on Zoom, we interview them, we record that, we transcribe it, we turn that into an article, we cut up those little clips into social media, uh, we, uh, we uh, uh, create those social media posts and voila, you know, in a, a, based on, you know, a one hour or less interview with that architect, we can have a, you know, a, a whole set of, uh, of uh, you know, an article, uh, maybe some video clips, maybe even like a three minute video of them talking about, uh, you know, an area of expertise. And then, and then a bunch of probably about 12 to 15 social media posts that we're going to use uh, throughout the year to help promote that content. And it, it, it works really well. And uh, we've, we've now started looking at how can we help uh, firms actually implement a system like that uh, internally as well. Yeah, and those are great, fantastic insights. And I'm so glad that you touched on the thought leadership and the specifically one of the first things you talk about, which is a news item that I find maybe 90% of architecture websites, their news section is all about them. It's like, yeah. we won this award, we've started this project, we completed this, we promoted such and such to principal. Yeah. And every time I see those, I'm like, your clients don't give a crap about this. Well, here's what I would say is that that stuff has value, but it just may not have the value that you think it has. And yeah, and, and so you have to you have to weigh that in in the reality in the context. Like, so what we hear a lot is, oh well, we had a blog, but then we stopped posting because we didn't have anything come of it, right? Well, you look at that blog, and it's all about them. It's all about oh, we did this, we did that, we hired this person, we fought, you know, and and then you sit there and you go, okay, but that's not a blog. That's just yeah, you that's talking about yourself. That's yeah. not you providing value. Yeah. And what we want to make sure is that if you're going to have a blog, a blog should be about creating value for the people who you want to attract. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're on the same page here. Uh, I think it's still something that too few people are aware of and, and do anything about. Because um, the, the, the few attempts I see at, at thought leadership are still kind of tepid at best. Um, kind of uh, dipping their toe in there, but it's not like, yeah. it, it's it, kind of strange. Thought leadership is a kind of interesting uh, uh, description. I, I, I don't look at this as thought leadership. I, I thought leadership to me is about you, is, is still about the industry. It's about you going out and saying, oh, these are the things that are happening in architecture. These are the trends. These are the uh, new ideas we want to talk about. And that there's absolutely a place for that. I don't argue with that at all. What I'm talking about is what what we call, uh, I guess, kind of like being a valued resource. Create and what the 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 thing that I was talking about, what what the the that system that we employ for our, mm -hmm. our clients, what we what we refer to that is creating an expertise engine, right? So, thought leadership to me is still talking to other architects and the industry, whereas expertise engines are about talking to that ideal customer and and it's you know that i mean there's certainly overlaps and there's no uh, I, mm -hmm. I don't think but yeah i that's that's kind of my thought i, I think we're talking about the same thing because what i call <laughs> thought leadership is what you call uh, the expertise right um, yeah i don't know that there's a clear definition of thought leadership anyway but um, i don't know that there is either i think it's a murky uh it's murky at best and i think it's more of a it's a more of a AEC uh, branding and marketing term than it is anything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've talked a lot about what they get wrong, but what are some of the things they've they are getting right uh, as far as architects websites are concerned? Well, um, 
That's a good question. Uh, I think um, what I'm starting to see uh, more, I think more frequently now, uh, is I'm, I'm starting to see some uh, different thinking about websites and uh, understanding that a website is more than a brochure or a pro portfolio. So I'm starting to see more examples of that. I think for us, we, we typically work with smaller firms. So uh, let's say less than 25 uh, staff. And I see that there's still, there's, it, it's still not catching fire, let's say in, in that range of firms. It's, um, and, and strictly because I think a lot of architects are, they don't see this as a, a high priority. Um, I think, you know, when we talk to a lot of architects, uh, the, the architects that we talk to that we end up working with understand that there's a need to, you know, if they want to level up they, their firm, they kind of have to get over their dependency of uh, referrals and uh, and repeat clients. So they, they want to attract new clients. Um, some of the things that I think uh, I do see that, um, you know, I would say are positives is that uh, I, I think that more websites uh, that I'm seeing now are uh, going towards a more simpler approach. Uh, I used to see a lot of websites that would have, like I mentioned before, like they have these complicated navigation systems. And it's almost like they were, you know, like hand coded. You know, I, I remember, <laughs> when was it back in the early 2000s? It was all about like creating these interfaces and you know they're almost like jigsaw puzzles right mm -hmm. i've i have come across quite a few sites like that uh in recent years but i'm, I'm seeing fewer and fewer of those so who seeing, remember uh, flash websites yeah exactly that's exactly what i'm talking about right like hillman curtis and um uh, i forget the other guy's name but uh these these things were just crazy and it was almost like you know you would go to these websites and it'd, it'd just be like a dot and you'd have to figure out how to get that dot to open up but it was almost like a you know, kind of like a Chris Ramsey nightmare. Um, but uh, uh, I, I'm seeing less of that. I'm seeing more. Uh, I'm I'm seeing more of a push now to kind of create websites that are a little bit a little bit more user focused. Mm -hmm. um, I'm seeing. Uh, I'm uh, actually seeing. I think a lot of architects are uh, uh, kind of understanding that they really have to tell more of a story, right? And uh, I, I think this is really important. You know, potential clients, uh, they, they're they not just looking for, uh, you know, somebody to, to give them drawings or, or whatever. They want to they wanna see the thought process. They want to see, they want to understand how you work. They want to understand how you get the result. Uh, they want to understand that you, you have you know, uh, a process that they can go through that's going that's going to deliver the the result. And the more you can tell that story and 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 show how you do that, I think the better off uh, you yeah, will be. Yeah, I think you're right on the money. And I I, I will confirm what you said. I, I think a lot of websites that have been redesigned in the last two or three years are getting much 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 better, at least from a usability perspective. Yeah. What I'd love to see more of is more. Um, thought leadership or what you call expertise uh, yeah. building uh, because there's still too little of that. But yeah, we're getting away from the playful gamified websites that are just yeah. plain annoying if you just want to get information Yeah. To, uh, to websites that are like sleek brochures that work really well. So I think that, that there's definitely a trend in the right direction, but um, 
it, those are uh, my observations that those are more larger firms that can afford, you know, the like 30 to 50 grand that it costs to have someone build something really sleek like that. Uh, and smaller firms can't even come close to that. So that's also a challenge. Um, so how do you get visitors to move beyond the homepage and uh, prevent them from bouncing with it within five seconds and learn more about you and your firm? Yeah, this is a huge challenge. Um, uh, I think what we what we see and when we when we actually talk to uh, architects, uh, we look at their you know web statistics and so forth. We see we see a lot of uh, what we what we call uh, bounce a high bounce rate, um, and uh, a lot of that happens right on the homepage. So uh, there was uh, there was a study done uh, by Hinge Research. Uh, I think it was a couple of years ago now, 2019, where uh, you know they they did a survey of AEC uh, buyers, people who bought AEC services, so architecture, engineering, and construction services, and they asked them, you know, uh, do do you visit a firm's website? And 84% responded yes. And they asked them another question. They said, you know, do you rule firms out before talking to them? 83%. Uh, uh, said yes, and that certainly is reflected in the bounce rates because you see high bounce rates on a lot of these sites. Uh, one of the biggest things that you can do to mitigate this is to clearly communicate on your homepage uh, three different things. Uh, there's basically three questions that a you know a website visitor wants to uh, get an answer to right away as soon as your homepage opens. Uh, number one, they want to know uh, you know what you do and who you do it for uh they want to uh they want to understand or at least have some sort of uh uh you know hint as to what what might make your your firm different or better what 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 do you you know how do you stand out and then number three they want to know like what's the next what's the next step right so uh in terms of answering that first question you know who who are you and or, or what do you do and who do you do it for uh, I, I i said this earlier maybe uh but a lot of the sites that we looked at um some of them some of them didn't even say that they were architects so you would go to the page it would just be a picture a navigation and you know maybe a, a name but there was no indication that they were an architectural firm uh so in the busy world of uh, web browsing, if I'm a busy client and I go to your web page and it opens up and I can't even figure out what you do, uh, I'm going to leave. Uh, there's there's a whole list in Google that I can go to and check out. Uh, I don't need to sit here and decipher your website. So uh, so that's one thing. The, the other thing, that how are you different or whatever? I think, number one, uh, and this is one of the things that I think uh, more firms need to realize, your your website, even if you're multi multidisciplinary, your website has to speak directly to an ideal uh, client, right? Uh, if you're multi multi multidisciplinary, maybe it has to speak to a few different types of clients. But the more narrow, the more um, focused your message can be on your homepage, and the more it can say, "Hey, you uh, you ideal client, you're the person I'm speaking to," the more likely people are going to go forward into the site. Now, uh, I mentioned that there are some other challenges, like uh, some firms use some really weird terminology on their uh, website navigation. Uh, like, I, I, and I, it, it's funny, I'm always, I need to get a list, but I've, I found some great, some examples. I, I can you know, recite like, it from memory to you. Yeah, probably. 
you know, like, I, I don't know, like, we, uh, we are um, passionate about design collaborative. Award yeah, but, but, but even in the navigation, like, instead of saying our work, they'll say like folio, or, you know, and, and it's like, like I said before, it's like they're talking to other architects. They're not talking to clients, right? And I know that's a bad example. I'll get you a few more. But um, uh, the third thing, like, what do I do next? Uh, Arno, I cannot tell you how many websites, architecture firm websites, I have looked at where I, I, like, it took me more than a minute to find a phone number, right? It's It's almost like some of these websites, it's like, you know, we're going to hide our phone numbers in some corner of the website and you're going to have to find it if you want to get in touch with us. That is the wrong way to go. You want to make it very simple for people to contact you. I just had a client yesterday. Mm -hmm. He called, we were on a call with him and he says to me, yeah, I got a call through my website. They told me, they told, the first thing they said to me was, it was so easy to find your phone number. Thank you for that. <laughs> I was like, job done, right? Just make it easy for people to contact you. Uh, if you did that, that would be great. If you offered them something of value that they could, you know, get on your email list and you could continue that conversation with them, that's even better. But uh, just starting with the phone number, that would be awesome. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, so we've talked uh, um, a little bit about what should go on a website and uh, and what it should how it should be built very generally speaking yeah um how much how do you determine how much a good website should cost so that's always a good question i think you know uh there's you know there's a balance uh between how you know what your goals are uh for your website right so there's at the minimum, you might you might need, uh, you know, let's say, uh, I don't know. We we here's here's what we do. Uh, I'll just I'll just rather than trying to like explain it all, I kind of give you like a little bit of an outline of how we work with clients. So so we kind of see websites as as being uh, three different levels. At the minimum, you want a website that kind of uh, helps you helps you address these basic issues like it's clear what you do and who you do it for it's it's uh you know it's clear uh, there's good messaging on the website uh it's well written uh there's enough content to help clients understand your services maybe your process uh, uh they 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 have some information uh about you uh, understand what your qualifications are um how to contact you and some uh, uh some examples of your work uh, typically, we like to we like to focus on case studies more than just project galleries. But that's, you know, that, so you have that kind of like that starting kind of what we would call that um, uh, uh, that I don't want to call it basic, but that's that's you know it's it's the it it it, it serves the basic needs for a uh, for a architecture firm. Uh, the second level tends to go a little bit further, and that's where we're developing more of this content I talked about, like uh, a blog, for example. So, uh, so there we would, uh, we would, we typically, when we work with firms on that level, we're working with them on a longer term basis. So the first few months would be uh, to launch the website and then we'll continue with them to help them develop that content. Uh, usually uh, a year or maybe longer, it depends. You know, we've, we've had clients that have, you know, been with, for a long time now so they continue to use us to help them create content like that 
so that that's kind of the intermediate stage. So the first stage is what I call that basically like the the building awareness type of website, and then and then the second stage is where we're building authority. So we're trying to create a website that uh, is actually going to attract those ideal clients, and that is really that content. Uh, everything we do on that website is really around a, a clear idea of who our ideal client is, not necessarily in terms of you know oh we're only doing residential or we're only doing commercial, but really understanding more the persona of the type of client that we're looking for. Uh, the third kind of level, what we call the uh, building attraction uh, type of website, that has more of a lead generation focus. So we're really trying to uh, uh, we're we're trying to uh, create a system on the website where uh, and and usually this involves both outbound and inbound marketing uh, steps. So we're maybe maybe doing campaigns to contact specific types of clients or specific people that we want to work with. And we're, we're trying to get them to come back to the website and engage with the website. So download something, get on a mail list, and then also market to them through that email list. So that the, those are the three kind of levels. There's the awareness, there's the authority, and then there's the attraction. And each one of those uh, obviously includes the previous. So if you have an, a, an attraction website, it also includes the authority and it includes the uh, awareness. So our typically our websites start, I, I believe right now they start around 7,500 US for that, that awareness type website. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're an architect, you know, you have to kind of understand that uh, a website is an investment. It's an investment in helping you. And, and here's the thing. So I hear from a lot of architects, oh, well, our last website only cost, I mean, some of them. I had one guy tell me uh, I only paid like $750 for my previous website. And I, and I said, well, okay, so is it, has it gotten you any work? And he's like, no, how long have you had it? Uh, uh, he's, he's, he said 10 years. And I said, I said, so how much have you been paying for it on a monthly basis since then? And we figured out that he, he had paid over $12,000 over that 10 year period for that website that hadn't gotten him one project. So if twelve thousand dollars for like the hosting or, or so it was it was one of those deals like you pay seven fifty and then there's like you know whatever a monthly fee and they're supposed to be updating it and whatever giving you website hosting and all this it's an all inclusive deal yeah but if it if it doesn't get you any result it's not worth anything and if yeah and twelve thousand dollars for a website that doesn't doesn't generate a single lead is very yeah. expensive so so. We get, you know, we're we're building him a new website that he's he's actually going to be able to update himself. That was the other issue is that he couldn't go in and just you know change something. You'd have to submit a request, you know, uh, wait two weeks. And, yeah, that's you crazy. Know, you know, so so yeah, you gotta you gotta look at you know what what are what are your goals? Do you want a website that you can you can update on your own? Do you want a website that's going to get you results? Do you want you know? Mm -hmm. So it's all kind of relative. But yeah, we we typically start around that seventy five hundred dollar range. It goes up from there, obviously, because you're adding more complexity and more more uh, more functionality to the website as you go. So, um, so that seven and a half thousand US. So let's call it ten thousand Canadian, because yeah. um, most of our listeners will be in Canada. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the life expectancy of ex expectant expectancy of a website like that? So I would say from a you know from an initial design, uh, you know, like how long is that going to last? I would say that my recommendation is that. So let me back up from that life expectancy. Well, it can last a long time as long as you're 
you know, you or, or somebody that is in charge of that website is maintaining it mm -hmm. and improving it along the way, right? Now, whether or not you want to stick with that design for, you know, ever and ever, that's up to you. Most people don't. Most people usually want to go through some kind of refresh after, you know, uh, five years or so uh, with the website. So I typically tell clients to expect that, you know, this is going to be uh, a three to five year website. Uh, but, you know, if they want something that lasts longer, what, what, what I recommend in any case, whether you work with us, whether you work with somebody else, you should be constantly updating your website. You should be constantly improving it. Our website has gone through a number of changes over the last five years uh, where we've radically changed it and, and radically, uh, 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 you know, uh, changed content, changed, uh, changed uh, design in some cases. Um, and, you know, so I see it as lasting quite a long time. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's all in what you uh, what you're so gonna, when you talk like a, about yeah. updates, are you talking about technical updates, design updates or content updates or all of the above? It, it could be all of the above, but specifically content. You should always be adding new content. You should always be updating. Like the, the worst thing in the world is like when you uh, somebody goes to your website, for example, uh, and I've seen many examples of this. So I'll just pick on one little thing. They go to the website and they, they see that your address is XYZ, but then they go uh, somewhere else online and they see their address is different, right? So, so inconsistency in information is one of the issues that I see a lot. And that's confusing. The number one, that's confusing to uh, visitors. Uh, and it can create like doubts about whether your company is actually healthy, right? Um, so the in inconsistency of information is one thing. So you want to make sure that your website is always up to date and current in terms of content, but you also want to be adding new things to it. You don't want it to just remain static. Search engines, you know, if we go back to the SEO, one of the factors they look at is whether or not you're, you're updating your website over time. And they track this stuff, right? They, every time the search engine uh, indexes your website, uh, it, it's going to compare what is what's different between the last time it looked at it and 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 the current time that it's looking at it so it's going to make comparisons and if it sees that everything's the same it's going to it's going to make assumption you know th these algorithms will start to make assumptions about your business uh, maybe nobody's updating a website maybe uh maybe nothing's going on there maybe this business is dormant uh and that's going to drop your search engine ranking so you want to make sure that you're updating content uh, design these days, design can be as easy as changing a theme. Uh, if you're on a platform like Squarespace or, or Wix or, or, uh, another builder, uh, it's really easy to change the design. Typically it's, it's not a difficult thing. So if you get tired of the look and feel, you can always change it. it there is always a, a certain amount of, uh, uh, you know, work involved in that, but yeah. it's usually not that. And, and so speaking of those uh, website builders like Squarespace, which I'm a big fan of, I think yeah. it's, it's a great platform. Um, how do they compare to a purpose-built website? And can you get the same results with a, a, a pre-designed platform versus like a, say, a WordPress template that's been customized for your purposes? So again, I'll say this. Um, uh, yes, uh, you can get great results with a uh with a uh product like squarespace our current website is actually on squarespace uh 
Um, we're, we are in the process of moving it over to a different platform that we use for our clients. Uh, we've just been like, we've gotten our clients updated, but we haven't gotten ourselves updated. Uh, we use a platform called Duda. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's purpose built for agencies like ours. Uh, and it makes a lot of things easy, like, uh, uh client changes and comments and things like this. It's got a, it's got more, more features around, uh, working with, uh, clients. So, uh, that's, that's always been one of my complaints about Squarespace. It's, it's, uh, when you're, when you're doing websites for other people, uh, it, it makes it a little bit, uh, it's, it's not as well set up for that, mm-hmm. but Squarespace is a fantastic platform. I mean, our website right now, I just looked at, uh, my Google report yesterday. I think we're getting something like 80, over 80,000 impressions a month. We're getting over 2000 clicks to our website a month. Um, so I, I, you know, that's, that's pretty good traffic. Um, uh, you know, we had a client, uh, who's on our, our other platform. Uh, we set up his website a year ago. He was getting about 24, uh, 24 uh, hits a day to his website. Now he's getting 250 a day. So it, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. like it, it's not the tool. It's it's how you're using it. And if you're creating good content, and if your website is, you know, properly set up, you're going to be able to attract uh, search engine traffic. Yeah, that's a that's a great point to end on. I do have one more question, uh, sure. more broadly about marketing. How does a website fit within the larger marketing efforts of a firm? And what are some of the things people should be aware of uh, when considering all the marketing activities that an architecture firm does um, be aside from the website and how do the, they all work together? Well, I guess if you ask me, I'm going to tell you that your website should be the central hub of all of your marketing efforts. That's where you really ultimately want people to go. And the purpose of sending them there should be to get them on an email list. Um, one of the things about uh, social media, one of the things about you know any other types of marketing uh, is that uh, you may not own those contacts. Um, your email list is yours, you own it. Uh, if you build it, uh, you can reach out to those people at any time and say, hey, uh, we're doing something new or, hey, we've got a, a great new uh, service or, hey, uh, are you still interested? Uh, the thing about social media is that it takes a lot of effort to build a following and you do not own that following. If you're on Facebook and you build a Facebook uh, uh, following, uh, which is really hard to do now without running a lot of ads, uh, you know, Facebook doesn't show your content to your audience. It, it requires that you buy advertising. Um, that's coming for other platforms too. Eventually, I'm sure that you know LinkedIn just announced that they 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 are limiting uh, users to 100 uh, connection requests per per week now. Um, that's a huge. Uh, they've been throttling that number back over and over and over again. They want you to either buy in-mail credits or uh, to buy ads to build your network on LinkedIn. So. Uh, these platforms are all about making money from uh, by being the middleman between you and your audience. When you have an email list, there is no middleman. It's just you and your list. And that is a huge, huge, huge advantage. I would say, you know, what architects talk to us a lot about in terms of marketing is the kind of like the, the relationships and the referrals and things like that. And I, I will tell you uh, without a doubt, 
those you know those relationships are the best right if you can get people to be your advocates if you can get them to uh, uh, be your cheerleader uh, and if if you have uh, past clients who are recommending you and telling other people about you that is uh, pretty awesome and that's always going to be the best marketing tool that you can have but if you have a website that helps them to promote you and when they tell those other people about you where are they going to go they're going to go to your website and if if what they've been told matches up to what they see on the website they're more likely to reach out to you and not eliminate you as a choice as as we found in the hinge research which said 83 percent of them are, are are admitting that they do eliminate firms from from consideration and uh so you know you want to you want to make sure that that website is representing you you and your firm in the best light possible that it is current it is up to date and uh and that's going to help you build those new relationships with referrals with uh, the people who find you online and uh yeah and anyone else so i think this is perfect advice to end on i want to thank you very much for uh, your generosity and um very valuable advice hopefully more people will heed it and I'm uh, looking forward to the next conversation. Thank you, Arno. I really appreciate it. Uh, I always enjoy our conversations. And uh, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Hey, Arno here. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and that you'll come back for more. Please share with your friends and colleagues. And remember to subscribe on our website at rvltr.studio. Follow us on social media at revelator underscore T-O. It's R-E-V-E-L-A-T-E-U-R underscore T-O. Until next time, ciao.